Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards. And just a bit of housekeeping before we start. Don't forget, we have been nominated in the Football Content Awards. So go to the Football Content Awards website, click on non-league and vote for us, please. NL Full-Time. And also give us a quick review as well if you are on your podcasting platforms. Give us a five-star review, please. You're joining me, as always, it is Rob Laurel. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. Morning, guys. And also joining us, on this crazy sunny morning, it is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. I was just getting the plug in early there rather than leaving it to the end. Oh, exactly. Getting it in early before people switch off. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you will do this week because what a crazy day in all three National League divisions. And there's no 100% records left in the National League. And I think there's only one place to start, really, isn't there? And that is that. Bundle Park at Grinsby. Now, Unibet are the official sponsors or betting sponsors of the league. And I think if you'd have put a cheeky pound on with them, you would have got long odds on Grinsby winning at half time, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely redonkulous. Um, yeah, Barnett, fair play to them going themselves 3 1 up with goals from Sir Hat Tazdabir, uh, Bloomfield, and uh, Widdison. He doesn't get on the score sheet very often from left back, does he? But, um, yeah, they also had to cope with uh, Doherty being uh, sent off on 64 minutes. I, I, I think he might have been a little bit unlucky, but technically it was the right decision. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Grimsby, uh, assisted by a couple of penalties from, from Mr McAtee, who, uh, who Dickie will tell you about in a moment. Uh, Taylor and Hunt, 90 plus three. Absolutely bonkers. If one game summed up a, a day in the National League, it was that one. Well done, Grimsby. Great comeback. Um, and uh, they leave Barnet with just the just the one point still in the bottom three. The only the only red card in the division as well was at that game as well on Saturday. There's two, two if you count Harry Kuehl being sent to the stands as well. <laughs> uh, no, there's another one. Pete Wild he got sent off as well. Oh, interesting. Okay, mm. there we go. I think but we they stop don't, at three though. Yeah, they don't they don't show up, did he, on the the actual things when the manager gets sent off? But uh, Dickie, uh, yeah, tell us a bit more about John McAtee. Yeah, he's a, he's a player we had on loan at Telford a couple of times when he was a, a Shrewsbury Town player, and I think it's that that link with former Shrewsbury boss Paul Hurst that that's got into Blundell Park this season. Um, he was at Scunthorpe last season. Um, and did reasonably well for them then, I think. Um, yeah, he's got a lot of talent, and he, 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 they're goals from the penalty spot, but I think he's also got goals from open play this season. I think he'll be a big influence for Grimsby. Um, and he's at that stage in that career where having to take a step back, he, he's, I think he'll feel he's taken a step back to take a step forwards, and I think he will with Grimsby. I think... Um, I, I think his talent will, will come through, and, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him propel himself back into the AFL with uh, with having a good season with the Mariners. To say that there's no teams left with a 100% record, Dagenham, they would have gone to Wheelston hoping to continue their 100% record. A bit of a surprise result, that Rob, 2-2 with Wheelstone. Yeah, it was. And the problem for Dagenham uh, on the day is that twice they found themselves going behind. And uh, yeah, so it wouldn't have been the comfortable home win that perhaps Dagenham would have liked and the fans would have maybe been expecting. But uh, 
Wealdstone are one of those teams that on the day can uh, poop people's parties, can't they? And they've got ahead twice in the game through Amera and later through uh, Dan and Lewis. But credit to Dagenham Redbridge. Both times they have pulled level again. And it's the old saying, isn't it? If you can't win a match, make sure you don't lose it. And that's what they did yesterday. Another goal for uh, Paul McCallum and uh, also one later on for, for George Saunders, who pulled them level. Ten minutes from time, and there wasn't to be any late last ten-minute drama in that game, but my goodness me, there was uh, in some of the others. Uh, and I guess you're going to come on to Chesterfield now, Lee. Exactly, yeah. It was the league's leading scorer from last season, Michael Cheek, who proved the thorn in Chesterfield's side. He gave them the lead with a penalty on 36 minutes. George Carline equalised just two minutes later. It looked like Manny Oyelike was going to get the three points for Chesterfield. He put them ahead with... 19 minutes left, but in the sixth minute of stoppage time, up stepped Michael Cheek again, and you can't keep a good man down. And I'm sure it'll be one of those, there'll be mixed emotions, won't it? I mean, James Rowe will be happy to keep the unbeaten record. He'll be furious that he conceded late on. Andy Woodman, on the other hand, will be really pleased that they've gone up to Chesterfield and scored so late, and it shows a lot of character, that. Yeah, Bromley did that a lot towards the end of last season. I remember them getting a, a, a 95th minute 3-2 winner at Aldershot. Um, on a day when it didn't look like it was totally going their way. And uh, and they did something very similar the following week. It's very often that man cheek. Um, his desire is is unmatched, isn't it? Um, his goal tallies ticking along nicely again for the season. Not often we see Oyeliki on the score sheet. Tidy finish from him, but a beauty from Carline. Uh, it really was one of the best two or three goals of the weekend. James Rowe will have been seething, I'm sure. I've not seen his post-match interview, but uh, he won't be happy conceding in 90 plus six. Uh, had they not done so, they'd have been two points clear at the top of the National League today. But as it is, perhaps he will have been consoled by finding out that, uh, that Dagenham and Boreham Wood were both held to draws as well. James Rowe said he was going to go out and buy 10 new players. No, I'm joking. He didn't say that. <laughs> There's some more. There was more crazy games. There was, there was fifty. Was it fifty goals in over the division? Robber over fifty goals. Yeah, fifty. Fifty in the end. Forty nine. And bizarrely, it was forty nine in nine matches. An average of very, very close to five a game. With the one nil nil that we'll come on to in a second. Um, and then just the one goal in the live TV game on BT Sport later. They might have felt a little bit disappointed by what appeared to be one of the more pedestrian matches of the day that they showed on telly. Yeah, we'll come on to Bournemouth in a minute, but we've got to get up to the other crazy game that happened. Was Torquay lost 4-0 at home last week to Woking. They were 4-0 up at half-time against Maidenhead. Maidenhead roared back, and I'm sure there would have been some squeaky bums on that Torquay bench, but eventually they held on and got the three points. Yeah, I mean, that's a a, a terrific win for, for Torquay in the end. But yeah, I think that... The third goal for Maidenhead came in something like the 66th minute. So it's not, um, you know, you've got another 20, 25 minutes to see out there if you're talking. Um, and yeah, Gary Johnson, I think there's some footage we've seen on on, on Twitter uh, of him uh, jumping off the bus and, and handing over some pizzas to some Torquay uh, fans to thank them for their support. And uh, yeah, they... they uh, they'll be relieved to get away with that one, having, having almost thrown that away. And you know what, Dickie? Um, that we only saw the first bit of that uh, that that uh, that viral on social media, where Gary Johnson took four pizzas to the uh, supporters' coach. He then took three of them back. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't, honestly. But um, we didn't see inside those boxes, did we? I bet there was just the crusts left. <laughs> yeah. What flavour do you want? I, I, uh, pick a flavour and then pick a slice. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll move on to some more goal fest in a minute. But let's move to the one game that didn't have any goals in it. Bournemouth against Stockport. Again, another team who went into the game with 100% record, Bournemouth. But... Does this show a different side again, Rob, to Bournemouth? We said the like last week, we said last season he scored a lot of goals, conceded a lot. This season they've kept another clean sheet and although they haven't won, Luke Garrard will probably please with that side of it, won't he? Yeah, it builds on what we started to say last week, that uh, whatever happens at the other end without Kabongo Shimanga, they do look more solid and uh, you know that's quite incredible really now. Uh, four clean sheets this season and against the side with all the weapons that uh, Stockport County have got that's particularly good um, What one thing when I looked at the highlights I wasn't massively surprised by that scoreline if I'm honest I thought two sides very very capable of keeping clean sheets one thing that also didn't surprise me when I looked at the high side, highlights was that the token wonder save from Nathan Ashmore um, which he did really well to save from, from Alex Reid um, he also had to keep out an effort from his own Will Evans as well that was headed towards goal. Uh, and Stockport will look at Jordan Keane's um, strike late on in the last 10 minutes where uh, he uh, he hit the post. That was probably the best chance for them. Um, but yeah, credit to Boreham Wood. Uh, four games played, no goals conceded. Let's get back to the goals and there was an exciting game at Damson Park. Weymouth are 3-1 up against Solihull at half-time. Solihull fought back and Weymouth in the end just held on, winning by four goals to three. And what an exciting game, eh, Dickie? Yeah, it was. I mean, this was a game I had my eye on throughout the afternoon and, and certainly I hadn't expected Weymouth to be in that, in that, into that kind of lead. Two goals from, from Brad Ash for them. Joe Esparra got two for Solihull. I think that makes him joint leading scorer in the division with four. Um, and Andrew Dallas, recent signing for them, he got a goal back in the 90th minute to make it 3-4. But yeah, that wasn't enough. It, it, Josh McCoy's goal in the 48th minute for Weymouth ultimately proved to be the winner. Yeah, great result that for Weymouth, wasn't it, Rob? Uh, second season, they've started off okay, haven't they? Yeah, they've started scoring a few goals as well. And I think having Bradley Ash available this season is going to be great for them. I, and he's had a long, you know, long-term injury problem to get over. Uh, but uh, now he's back. And uh, yeah, they're one to watch. They're, they're one of those three or four teams that you think you don't want to catch them on the wrong day. As for Solly Harwell... A bit of early growing pains, probably, for Neil Ardley, um, working with, with with what he's got there. And I'll get a closer look at them next weekend when they come to the EBB uh, to take on another side with a 100% record order shot. Yeah, certainly saw a comment from Neil Ardley after the game where he said, you know, you concede four goals in a game, you don't expect to get anything, and particularly on their own patch as well. Well, the game that caught my eye and had a keen eye and was Southend against Wrexham. Of course, Southend got relegated big spend in Rex and we saw them last week and it'd be interesting to see how those two teams matched up and it was Southend with 2 0 up but Wrexham should have got a character to come back in that game didn't to come back in the second half and draw 2-2 yeah I think Phil Brown will be gutted you know goal in each half from Dolby and Murphy and then uh, really it's a matter of seeing it through from there but this is when the quality of uh, the riches that uh, Wrexham have assembled start to uh, to uh, show their value, really. Uh, Jamie Record probably doesn't get too many goals, certainly not too many with his right foot anyway, uh, as uh, a left-back. And uh, Dior Angus pretty much uh, with a tap-in, really, right place, right time. And that one was set up, wasn't it? There was 24 minutes to go when it went to all, and uh, 
no late winner there for either side and uh, different reasons for why perhaps both sides could feel an element of contentment from that point. Yeah, we'll get on to your game in a minute, Rob, but another team who were 2-0 up at half-time and ended up only drawing were Eastley. They were 2-0 up against Kings Lynn. In the end, that finished 3-3. Another goal fest, but Ben Strevens will be really frustrated, won't he? You don't get much better starts than 2-0 up in the first 10 minutes. Um, and, and But Kings Lynn have shown this under Ian Culverhouse. They're not beaten in games, are they? They can come back late. And, uh, you know, it's not the first time they've done it, Dickie, is it? They did it a few times last season. No, it isn't. I mean, Kingsley, it's difficult to know what to expect from them because last season was a very strange season for them, promoted, but then no fans and then there was no relegation. So it's hard to get the, the an assessment of, of, of Kingsley as a team in this division. Um, Michael Clunan on the score sheet for them yesterday. I know when he's been a big figure in their rise up through the divisions, he was certainly a key figure when they won um, National League North. Um and yeah, to, to, to come back from a 2-0 deficit uh, and then come back from being 3-2 down after a, a, the customary goal from Ben House for Eastley. But yeah, Brett McGavin substitute on snatched a point for them. Um, you'd think Ian Culverhouse would be the happier of the managers after that one, certainly. Rob, let's get to Meadow Lane. Another goal fest at your game, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean, it, I can't say the whole game was amazing. Uh, it was pretty tight for the first 40 minutes, but then uh, a little bit against uh, the run of play, Notts County took the lead. It was a good finish from Carl Wooden, four in four for him. Uh, and then you kind of thought, well, the script's written. Aldershot have shown a little bit of resilience and, uh, you know, certainly playing their part in the game. And, and they'd probably go on to defeat from there. But not, it did happen in the end, but not in the way we thought. They got level just before half time. Corey Andrews on loan from Wimbledon until January with his uh, second goal uh, in a week. And he got a third just after half-time, a really good finish after an uncharacteristic mistake from Kyle Cameron. But, wow, what a way to respond. Two minutes later, after uh, that individual error, Cameron went up the other end and headed home at uh, the equaliser. And then, basically, what split the sides in the end was a beautiful left-foot curled finish from Cal Roberts, who we all wax lyrical over. Well, I think we... If we all were pushed to give a best player on his day in the National League, we'd probably give it to Robertson. And 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 that was the difference in the end. Um, a brilliant, brilliant game, a performance of heart and pride from all the shot. They gave Notts County a lot of problems. But sadly, they do keep that 100% record that I referred to earlier of four games and four defeats. Now, after the game, I had no choice but to catch up with the man that made the difference. Callum, on a... Uh... A weekend on a Saturday when 50 goals have been scored in 10 National League games. How good does it feel to have scored the winner in a 3-2 at home in front of your own fans? Yeah, it's great. Um, the main thing today was getting the three points. Um, you know, all the shot coming in played, played with a game plan and, and I thought it worked for them in the first half. It was very tough for us to play out from the back and how we wanted to play. I thought they closed the space down really well, but... At half-time, we tweaked the formation and we knew that we could get them behind a lot more with their high press. And as you've seen, the two goals in the second half that we created was was very good. You were fairly well shackled for an hour or so, but you came into the game as it went on. You, you might have had a second as well, but uh, pleased with the finish. That's a, a bit of a trademark Roberts uh, goal, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's always good to score a goal, especially in front of your, your home fans when there's around 6,000 here. And always special to get the winner as well. Two wins, two draws, unbeaten. Uh, relatively pleased with that? 
yeah although we want more we wanted more we we thought we should have had three points against Torquay and the same against Wrexham to be honest that there were two tough games and like you said we're still unbeaten now and it's something to build on well done today we'll catch up with you later in the season cheers thank you man yeah that was Callum Roberts and I know he's he's frustrated both of you in the past when he's played for Blythe and for Notts County but he is some player and you wouldn't expect him to be in the National League for not for long whether that's with Notts County getting promotion or whether a football league side comes in for him that's right and um you know, I, I guess he needs a consistent run, doesn't he? He needs to knuckle down. He needs to steer clear of injury. And I'm sure he will get another opportunity back in the football league. Another uh, two more games to look at then. The, the other game was another fascinating game at Moss Lane. Altrincham against Dover. Dover with 2-1 up. Looked like they were going to get their first win of the season and start to scrub off that minus 12 deficit. But two late goals from Altrincham saw them grab the three points in the end. Yeah, it did. And that, that that's a, a huge disappointment for Dover. You know, they've got to think they're going to be in with a chance of, of taking the points away when they when they have a 2-1 lead there. But, but Altrincham on their own turf. And, and I think they, they were unveiling their newly relayed pitch yesterday as well. I think I saw some tweets about that one. You know, they, they, they've certainly made, made it a bit of a happen from home. Um, and a penalty from Ryan Colclough four minutes from time was enough to, to take all three points for them. Yeah, I know Karen Barry is a regular listener. She's a Dover fan. She went to the game yesterday. She was really encouraged by that performance. But then she followed it up with, but we've got Chesterfield next week. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think she's all that much hope for that. It's really tough for Dover. Um, I, 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 I've got some history in this situation. I think it was 2012, maybe 2013, all shots started the season, minus 10 points in the National League. Um and you desperately need momentum. If you've got to chalk off a minus figure, you've got one target at the start of the season. How quickly can we get back to zero points? And then we can start to build our tally. And it's not gone the way that Dover would have hoped. Um, I think we all commented that they perhaps have been able to assemble a slightly better squad than we thought uh, they may. Uh, but they haven't been able to deliver yet. Ricky Miller's not been able to come up with that first goal to get his tally running. Um, and it's going to be tough for them. Aldershot, when they did it in 2012-13, they they did win three of the first five games, got a draw in another. So they literally chalked it off in five games and then they went from there. In the end, they stayed up one week before the end of the season with a 2-1 win at Rivals Woking. And so there you see the, the reality of this. Even with a good start, they just got across the line. And with each week that goes by that Dover don't pick up any points, it's getting tougher and tougher. It is indeed. And the final game was a late kickoff between Yeovil and FC Halifax. And it was that man again, Rob, Joe Quigley, who ultimately scored the winning goal from the penalty spot a quarter of an hour in. It was. He's in fine form. Four in four for him, like uh, a number of players in the National League that are out at the, hitting that average at the moment. It's fantastic. Uh, from the penalty spot, Interesting. All the guys on BT unanimously felt it was a penalty. I thought it was a penalty. Uh, I don't doubt for one minute that Tom, Nor- Tom Knowles knew there was a challenge coming and, and, and reacted to it. But there was contact and therefore it made it rather surprising that uh, Pete Wilde reacted as strongly as he did at the time uh, and got himself a red card for it. Uh, I can only think that's a, a build-up, a feeling of a build-up over a number of games where perhaps decisions haven't gone Halifax's way. It's fair to say he went wild then, did he, Rob? 
He was the nicest man in the world in his post-match interview, apologising for getting sent off. And he is genuinely a very lovely man, isn't he, Pete Wilde? And uh, I think he was slightly embarrassed, probably, by his behaviour looking back. Because the one thing he'd have to concede, if he looks at a couple of angles of it, you know, if that was his player uh, getting clonked from the back like that, he'd he'd be screaming pen every day of the week. So let's move on and look now at the National League South. I've looked after my kids since they were born. Now they've got kids. I still want to look after them. I don't want them struggling to make decisions about my money or my health if I can't. So we made a lasting power of attorney. Now, if I can't speak for myself, they'll speak for me. It's a weight off for all of us, isn't it? Yes, Mum. <laughs> Lasting power of attorney. Search your voice, your decision. And in the National League South, Rob Dartford, they just keep going from strength to strength. They had a tricky looking tie at Bath, but they passed it with flying colours, didn't they? Yeah, Aziz, Robinson and Porter with the goals for Dartford. And, uh, you know, they'll have known when the fixtures came out, that was a tricky one, Bath City away. Um, Particularly tricky probably yesterday because... uh, because Bath obviously got that sound beating on the bank holiday weekend that nobody saw coming by uh, Oxford City. So, uh, yeah, Dartford really going nicely at the top of the division. Just behind them are Maidstone. They got a good 3-1 win away at Oxford City as well. Rory Deacon, Juan Luque and Regan Booty with the goals there. Um, It was 2-1 for a while. Oxford City got one battle later on, as I say, and then Booty... Finished it off, but Maidstone—they flattered to deceive the last couple of seasons. Could be, could this be their year? You never know. I mean, they've got the size, the infrastructure, the support to mount a challenge in that division. One or two of us have mentioned them in our predictions, uh, and they seem to be scoring goals uh, a little bit more freely this season as well. Uh, any three-one win away from home, not to be sniffed at. Yeah, Concord are surprising a lot of people, including me, because I think I tipped them to struggle this year. And and Danny Green got the only goal there as they beat Hemel Hempstead and Concord really punching above the weight again, aren't they? Oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? We, we, we've touched on it in the last few weeks, I know, but chairman's gone, manager's gone. And and uh, on paper, it looks like that should just fall apart now, but it's not happening, is it? And uh, another good win. Uh, early goal from Green, seven minutes in. Uh, Hemel Hempstead... Uh, at the other end of the scale, really struggling at the start of this season, find themselves at the foot. One oh, game that caught my eye, though, looked like the game of the day in the division. Absolutely gets having at Waterlooville, two teams who people expect to be up there. And it was Paul Doswell's men who came out the right side of it. Scott Randell, ultimately, who got the winner. They were tuning up after just five minutes, having it on Waterlooville in the end. Lee Martin got one back on the stroke of half time, but haven't held on to win in the end. Yeah, and you've got to say, you just look at the goal scorers there. This is National League South we're talking about. Tommy Wright and Scott Rendell. All right, Scott, he's past his peak. We know that. But uh, he's still a very, very experienced, strong target man. Uh, and I think he'll uh, he'll have some fun there this season, uh, you know, in a side where players will create the kind of chances that Scotty thrives on. Um, and it was a really, really good win for Haven and Waterlooville against a, a highly fancied Ebsfleet slide. Uh, side. Uh, apart from that, Luke, I noticed a lot of draws. Um, perhaps mm. the most, uh, uh, well, the, the ones with the most goals were at Chelmsford, where they played uh, Dorking. Got off to a good start, Chelmsford, with uh, Simeon Jackson. And then goals from Joe Taylor and Pryor pulling it level. Charlie Sheringham earning uh, Chelmsford a point in the 90th minute. And one thing I noticed, 
Dave Winfield back there at Chelmsford for a, a second spell after a period out of the game. Um, and the other score draw in the National League South, uh, Eastbourne against Dulwich Hamlet. We can call, I think, Chris Welkdale, the evergreen Chris Welkdale, can't we? He just goes on and on and on. Um, McQueen, one of the scorers there for Dulwich. Uh, a couple of other draws as well. St Albans against Chippenham finished 1-0. Another party poop inside Chippenham going to St Albans and you know containing them to just the one point. Um, and then uh, a game that uh, our very own Tom will have been at, uh, Hampton-Richmond away mm. to Tunbridge Angels. And uh, you really would have thought yeah. when uh, David David Fisher put Hampton ahead with 12 minutes left, that would be it. But Ibrahim uh, uh, Olatade uh, getting an equaliser in the 90th minute just to ruin Tom's Saturday. Yeah, I think they would have been disappointed with that Hampton, as I said. They've been good away from home, haven't they, recently? But you look at Tunbridge, you've been struggling so far. They would have expected to pick up the three points in that, wouldn't they? They certainly would. Um, one other game that ended as, as a two, all three of them in, in total in the division. Slough Town took uh, an early lead through Aaron Cool at Welling, uh, pegged back by Stevenson and Allen, and then Ryan Bird uh, getting a point for... Slough with two minutes to go. That defeat for Hemel Hempstead at Concord leaves them bottom now. Originally it was Welling, but Welling have picked up a couple of points over the last couple of weeks. So Hemel Hempstead are in uh, die straight to the bottom. They'll want to get, they'll want to pick up points as soon as possible. So we're going to look now at the National League North, and there's only one place to start, isn't it, Dickie? Charlie, up until Saturday, had only scored one goal, and it's fair to say. They went mad. Now, I'm not going to ask you to go through every goal scorer, Dickie, but I was getting excited because nearly the whole team got on the score sheet until Connor Hall got his second. Yeah, it was one of those games where, where you are looking forward to the prospect of there being a, you know, a big score and every goal coming from an individual scorer. I think when there's maybe four or five goals in the game, that's, that's you know, tremendous. When it's nine, which Chorley achieved yesterday, then, you know, that's, that's even more notable. Uh, uh, it's the eye-catching result in the division. Absolutely. I mean, Chorley went absolutely bonkers. And I think, I think I'd suggested they're going to name, rename Victory Park as resounding Victory Park after yesterday because they just completely blew Gloucester away. Um, I have to say Gloucester were handicapped by the loss of a few first-team players. I noticed um, their chairman, Alex Petherham, said when they'd not been able to get a, a deal over the line on Friday that he was going to be travelling with his boots to Chorley. But I, I didn't actually check the lineups to see whether he'd played, but um, I'm not sure if it would have made a difference who they'd put in the lineup. Um, yesterday because uh, Chorley were just irrepressible by the sound of things. Um, already 2-0 up when, when Gloucester had Fabian Reverse sent off for a straight red card on Billy Whitehouse. 4-0 um, up by half-time through Cardwell, Calverley Hall and Ustabashi. I'm going to make Ustabazi, yeah, Ustabazi it is. Jonathan Ustabazi, yeah, he used to play for, he played for Staley Bridge. Yeah, um, and then sometimes when you get a game at 4-0 at half-time, you know, the, the, the team that's on the wrong end of that tighten up in the second half and maybe the, the team that's ahead take their foot off the gas a little bit. Jamie Vermiglio said after the game that one of the things that pleased him most about it was that Chorley didn't take their foot off the gas. They absolutely went for the jugular. Five more goals in the second half. So Baines, Hall with the second, Shenton, Blakeman and Ali. And... And yeah, he was thrilled to bits with the result. Um, unsurprisingly, reaction from Gloucester has been a little bit harder to come by. I would think they're probably fairly shell-shocked at the moment. But um, yeah, after starting with two defeats, Chorley have rocketed up to ninth. 
um, with two wins on the bounce. Um, and, and Gloucester, not the start they would have wanted. Four points yeah. from five matches. Um, and I was going to say, Dickie's unravelled for him a little bit because he started off well. They had that really big 4-0 win over York, over 2,000 fans there, and everyone's saying, we're going to come back for more. And then after that, I think it's uh, they've not won after that, have they? No, they've lost three in a row since they had that 4-0 win over York. Um, and it is surprising because there is some quality in that lineup. I mean, Paul Groves looks like he's going to a slightly different approach to the approach that James Rowe, their manager for part of last season had um, in that there's a few younger players in there, you know, but they've still got Matt McClure. They've still got Bernard Mentzer. Um, they, there's still some, some talent in the, in that, in that Gloucester side. So, but, but maybe that indicates to a little bit of a thinness in the squad in that when a few of them were missing yesterday, they've been absolutely hammered. Yeah, it's not like uh, ex-Aldershot players to go to Lancashire and get absolutely hammered, is it? I'm going to put my skin out <laughs> on now with Rob's, Rob's around listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, so as you say, that's rocketed Charlotte up to ninth position in the table. Still standing top, though, are AFC file, but no more 100% records, as we mentioned, across the three divisions. They have all now gone, haven't they? Yeah, they have. And Files um, went in a, in a 1-1 draw at Kettering Town yesterday. Although they were looking good for it early on, another goal from Nick Horton um, uh, got them on their way after about five minutes or so. But then um, Callum Powell from the penalty spot equalised for Kettering. And it sounds as if Kettering could have snatched it, to be perfectly honest. Um, I've got noted they, they hit the, the frame of the goal on at least three occasions, Powell twice and Luke Ward. So, so uh, I'm not going to say that Fold were, were lucky to get away with that one, but, you know, um, th- th- they'll be happy to travel back with their um, unbeaten record intact, even though they've not they've got their, uh, their 100% record as gone. Just quickly on Kettering, Dickie, I'm, you know, I, I was surprised they're in seventh. I know we tipped them to struggle, but they've just, I know they've probably played a couple of games more than other teams that might be above them, but they've just snuck up that table and it's been a solid start to the season for them, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. I mean, they got, they, they had a, we, talk, we spoke about Gloucester. They had a 2 0 win at Gloucester last week. I think Callum Powell, the player I mentioned there, he sounds like he's absolutely been on fire for them uh, and, and has been a big, part of the reason Kettering are doing so well. I know Paul Cox looked like he he probably through not through choice had, had had to leave some of his recruitment to to quite late in the day, but they look like they've gelled well together in the first five games they've played so far, up to seventh in the table, eight points. And I would think that Paul Cox, yeah, he'll want more, but I would think he'll be quietly satisfied with that. Both Kidderminster and Brackley's 100% records have gone as well. Both had away fixtures, both drew nil-nil. Yeah, they did. I mean, the goals galore in the north as well yesterday. But if you went to either of these two games, you, you, I wouldn't say you, you drew the short straw, but you certainly didn't see any goals. Um, I think there was perhaps more likelihood of a goal coming at the Geisley-Kidderminster game where Kidderminster had Mark Carrington sent off for a straight red card. Um, but they showed good discipline there um, and, and held on for a point. Yeah, much needed win for Chester as well, Dickie. I know... Anthony Johnson said during the week, I was reading the forums as well, he said, obviously, COVID's really affected them hard and they really won't get up to fitness until they play Alfreton. And he felt that was a big game and it was a massive three points for them in the end. It was. It, it was a big a big one and it, it came in dramatic fashion as well. Uh, it sounds like it might have been a slightly bad-tempered affair as well. Um, 
Chester led through James Hardy, but when uh, they had Danny Livesey red carded on 72 minutes, it looked like it handed some of the advantage back to Alfreton. Matt Reed, um, we know all about Matt Reed. Uh, he equalised on 80 minutes, but then straight to the other end, Declan Weeks put Chester back in the lead again. Reed equalised for a second time, but a Dan Cowan header in the 94th minute of the game got Chester their first win. That takes them up to five points. 14th in the table. Alfreton still winless, unfortunately. They've got three points, but they're all from three draws. So um, yet yet to get a win on the board, Billy Heath's men. I mentioned about the surprise at Kesson. I mean, Curzon Ashton, again, they've surprised a lot of people the way they've started the season. And nearly another comprehensive away win for them, 3-0 at Leamington. We know Leamington's a tough place to go, but it sounded like it was very comfortable. It is a difficult place to go, yeah, and I think that's what makes it perhaps all the more notable. Um, I mean, Curzon Ashton up to fourth in the table, 10 points from five games. Adam Thomas scoring again. He got two in the in their 3-0 win at Chester and another 3-0 win on the road. Um, Dominic Knowles with a second goal and then Dale Witham with a goal in the second half to make it 3-0. And it sounded like it was very comfortable for Curzon Ashton in the end. Um, that won't please... Um, Paul Holleran, because as manager of Leamington, he's he's made a reputation of them as as being a side who teams don't like going to face them, um, and they like to give bigger sides a bloody nose. Now, whether they perhaps saw Kers National as being a bit more on a par with them, and uh, I don't know on the day, it's difficult to say, and it is still early days. But um, yeah, Stephen Cunningham's doing a, a great job at Kers National at the moment. Yeah, Spennymore and Gateshead are the other two teams in the playoffs and both had eventful days, didn't they? Spennymore, I think, less so than Gateshead. A big win for Spennymore away at Hereford and Gateshead were involved in another thriller, another goal fest, weren't they? Yeah, they were. I mean, we'll start off with the Southport Gateshead game because that one finished 3-3 and and that's comeback of the day in the division, absolutely. Uh, Gateshead 3-1 down partway through the second half. They'd... um, They'd managed to get a goal back um, through Paul Blackett in the second half, but then Liam Watson, um, uh, the Southport manager, his son Niall scored from the penalty spot, 3-1 up, and you think, well, this is all over. Um, but Scott got a goal back on 78 minutes, and then a Macaulay-Langstaff equaliser, again, four minutes into injury time, meant that Gateshead travelled back with a point. Um, Southport left disappointed with that one. They're another side um, that hasn't yet recorded a victory um, whereas Gates said they're sixth on eight points and that's from only four games played. They've played one game less than some of the teams around them. So Mike Williamson's got them going in the right direction. Um, the other northeast side you mentioned there, Spennymore, their 2-0 win at Hereford sounded a, a bit more routine, although I gather the Spennymore team coach did break down on Friday on the way down to Hereford, somewhere around the Birmingham area. So that, that wasn't ideal for them, but they were clearly rested and prepared enough two goals from Glenn Taylor and and a penalty save from Daly right at the death from Ryan McLean meant that Spennymore got their first clean sheet of the season as well so a really satisfying day for manager Tommy Miller there yeah and the final two games and two teams who've underachieved a little bit this season uh we'll start off with York Dickie I mean the first win at home for them they, they really needed that in front of the fans and they they, they sort of uh they flew into a half-time lead, didn't they? 2-0 up against Farsley. Farsley did come back, but eventually York ran out by four goals to two. And what was interesting was to see all the big players that York have got got on the score sheet yesterday. 
Yeah, it was. I mean, I've, I've noted before that, that that York's investment over this summer um, has been in, in the forward line and getting more goals into that forward line. They'd started with three defeats, but they've reminded with two wins in a row. Um, so, yeah, Kurt Willoughby with one of the goals. I'm not sure about the second one. I think some people are giving it as an own goal to, to Dave Sires of, of Farsley, but I'm sure he'd be quite happy to let Mark Beck have that one. Um, Michael Woods made it 3-0. Clayton Donaldson, a 70th-minute penalty. And then, yeah, just two goals back at, at, at the death for Celtic to, to add a little bit of respectability from it, from Will Hayhurst um, and James Hansen. But yeah, the two teams sit alongside one another in the table. I'm sure that's not something that York fans would um, would delight in. You know that, that, that they are sitting alongside Farsley Celtic as as not just geographical neighbours, but but being in the same division. But yeah, City in eleventh, Celtic in twelfth, both got six points from five games. I mentioned earlier about Chester being affected by COVID. Darlington have had the same thing. Do you think that's maybe affecting their performances so far? Another defeat for them and a really slow start to the season. It's a factor. It could well be a factor. And we've mentioned before that that there's certainly um, uh, Alan Armstrong isn't satisfied with, with, with the recruitment that he's made this summer. Not to say that the players he's brought in aren't the players that he wanted, but but I just don't think he's necessarily got it, it, enough of them in through the door. Um, and yeah, Darlington are the only team who've actually, they, they've lost all three of the games they've played so far. Um, and they would have fancied something against Bradford Park Avenue yesterday, I'm sure. I think uh, Avenue are another side uh, towards the bottom of the table, but uh, not helped by an own goal. And then Luke Rawson added a second before half-time to put Avenue 2-0 up. Um, ahead of from Luke Charman in the second half, put Darlington on the board. But ironically, a goalkeeper that was a Darlington player last season, Johnny Saltmer, in goal for Avenue, kept Darlington at bay. Got them all three points. That takes them up to 16th. And yeah, Dolo sit rock bottom in 22nd with no points from three games. Brilliant. Well, Dickie, thanks for that. And we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll speak to you next week. Okay, thank you very much. Rob, thanks for joining us and enjoy the rest of your week. Yeah, will do. Thanks, guys. And that is it. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at NL Full Time and it's NL Full Time on Instagram as well. And give us a subscribe so you can get this podcast uploaded to your device every week. Until then, look after yourselves. We'll see you all very soon. <laughs>